hey, good evening, church. I know we still got people coming in, but it's great to see you. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm so thankful to be here tonight, to be in the house of the Lord. And scripture says to sing to the Lord a new song. So we're gonna do that tonight as we begin our time of worship. But before we sing this new song, I wanna teach you the chorus. So this is how it goes. Praise, praise, let everything that has breath. Praise, praise, let everything that has breath. Sing a new song to the Lord. Praise, praise, let 
held in your hands From the moment that I wake Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing of the goodness Come on church, lift it up, we know it All my life we say Sing all my life the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest nights, you are close like no other. I've known you as my father. Oh, I've known you as my friend. And I have in the goodness of God All my life, oh, all my life You have been faithful All my life you have been so, so forget not all of his benefits so God remember your goodness remember how good you've been to us
of the goodness of God. Yes, Lord. God, we will choose to not forget all of your benefits. We will choose to remind our souls of your goodness. We will choose to dwell and remember on all the things that you've done for us. Church, we are so surrounded and so inundated with things that try to pull our attention off of the goodness of God. And it can be so easy, not just with the things that go on outside of our lives or outside of our immediate world, but even the things that happen in our own families to forget the goodness of God or the faithfulness of God. So it's good for us to remind ourselves of it. For generation after generation after generation, God has been faithful to his people. Psalm 27 is one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible about this very thing. It reminds us of who God is. We'll go ahead and pull it up and we'll be able to read it together. I'll read it over us and I want us to take a second to meditate on it as we remember it and remind our souls of it. That the Lord is my light and my salvation. So whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, and be gracious to me and answer me. You, Lord, have said, seek my face. And so my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Let's keep that up right there. Maybe even we just say that together. Just say, your face, Lord, do I seek. Feel free to say that out loud again. Your face, Lord, do I seek. In verse 11, it says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So wait for the Lord, my soul. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage, and wait for the Lord.
be strong be not afraid for the Lord soon on his way he will break through he will tear through the night be strong creation cry 
Psalm 100 says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with a joyful song. New Life Friday night, it is good to draw near to the Lord with you tonight. Can we say thank you to the Lord for the way that he draws near to us in worship? My name is Matthew, and I'm on staff here at New Life. And this week, thank you for many of you who joined us for prayer. Um, we gathered as a staff and as a church, and we prayed that all of creation would know the Lord. We prayed that all of our city would know the Lord. And we prayed for you praying that you would know the Lord. Verse 2 of Psalm 100 says, verse 3, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Friday night, as we draw near to the Lord and worship, This line in the song really hit me different tonight. That I've known you as father, and I've known you as friend. I remember almost four years ago, I was passing out communion, and my dad was ill, terminally ill. And I remember, and I still remember, the last night, that he was able to walk through this line and I've served him communion. My dad came down empty-handed and I was able to serve him communion. And tonight, I need to remind us, I need us to know, I want you to know like I know that our Father in heaven loves us. He says, you are mine. You are mine. You are my people. Know it. Receive it. And the only response we're going to come to give to the Lord is verse 3. Verse 4. For the Lord... Verse 4, go back to that for me, Dan. The only response as we worship him and draw near to him, and we know that we are his, is to enter his gates with thanksgiving. And we enter his courts with praise. And we give thanks to him, and we praise his name. New Life Friday night, with our minds, with our hearts, with our bodies, and with our money, we get to give thanks to the Lord. Can we pray? Can we pray for our, our city? Um, can I pray for you? Jesus, you are worth worshiping. You've been good to us. And we enter into your gates as you care for us, as you shepherd us, and you meet our needs. And so, Lord, for some of us, we get to give to be part of your work to meet people's needs. And for other of us right now, you're meeting our needs. Some 
like that feeling I had in worship. I was just so thankful, but I remember so many nights that I was super soft-hearted and I was in tears and I needed you and you showed up to me. And you're doing that again tonight. And so Jesus, we fix our eyes back on you, Lord, and we know that we are your people. And if we are your people and you are our shepherd, you're going to care for us. And so receive what we have to give you tonight. Lord, receive our praise and inhabit them. Lord, soften hearts and renew minds tonight to hear your voice. Jesus, you're worthy. And we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord. at the center of it all Jesus at the center of it all From beginning to the end It will always be It's always been you, Jesus Jesus Again Oh, Jesus at the center of
It's good to worship together, right? Yeah. Man, it's been such a sweet half hour already, and we're just getting started. We're getting ready to open up God's Word together. Before we do, take a couple minutes. You know what to do. Cross the aisle. Shake, uh, shake a hand. Hug a neck. That's what Pastor Daniel says. Do that. Come on. Let's do that. Let's say hi to some people. Let's open up God's Word together. Friday night. Hi, all oh, thanks, friends. Hey. <laughs> if I have not had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Jordan Lewis, and I'm one of the pastors here at Friday night. If I had had the privilege of meeting you, hello, friends. Good to see y'all. Um, Daniel and Lisa send their greetings from Mexico. They are on a ministry trip there. So I'll try not to be too jealous of them when it's negative three degrees here and they're enjoying the sun there. So blessings to y'all, I guess. Uh, Well, we are beginning a new series tonight um, called Behold, and we will be focusing on the book of John. So I have the honor of opening that up for us tonight. Last week, Daniel gave us a vision. It was Vision Friday, but it wasn't just relegated to Friday night. I believe that it was a vision for how to engage the church and how to become part of the people of God. This week, I believe that the Spirit of the Lord wants to continue that theme by giving us an invitation. It's an invitation by the Spirit into deeper relationship with the person of Jesus. If you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus yet, 
yet. I would highly recommend it. But whether you've been following Jesus for minutes, days, hours, weeks, months, years, decades, I really believe that Jesus is infinite. So as we have an invitation to know him more, there is something in the presence and the person of Jesus for everyone in this room and everyone watching online. Amen? Before we open up the scriptures, let us pray. God, thank you that you are here in this room. Jesus, thank you for your divine sacrifice that makes us being in the presence of God and being the people of God possible. Holy Spirit, thank you for your tireless and wonderful work as you flow among us, through us, and within us to receive power that we need. Thank you that you know we cannot do this without you. As I have the humble honor of standing up here, Holy Spirit, I know that I'm not the one these friends need. They need you. So I pray that you would move me out of the way. I would decrease so that you might increase. Speak to your friends. Draw us all closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As I mentioned tonight, we are beginning a series on the book of John. And we're going to start tonight, and we're going to go pretty much up until Easter. And here is my gentle pastoral challenge to you straight out the gate. I would really encourage each and every one of you to be deeply engaged and attentive in this series. I really believe that the Spirit of God has something unique for each of us as we learn about the person of Jesus. And I'll put it frankly, I believe that the Word of God will change your life. The Word of God will change your life. And that isn't a, um, I'm not trying to puff anything up, I'm not standing up here, it's like, well, you're a pastor, so you have to say that. I became a pastor because the Word of God changed my life. So I am telling you, there are people in this room, people watching online who have been wondering how, why are they stuck? Why haven't things changed? What's happening? How, how can you move out of where you are into something different? I'm telling you, the word of God is what you're looking for. And I really believe the word of God will change your life. Here's how I want us to engage as we go through this series. I would encourage everyone, and I'll be doing this as well, to read the book of John. So some of you are just gonna sit down and read it in one sitting, have at it. Some of you, maybe you need a chapter a day. Some of you, if you already have time with your family or if you're in a small group with friends, you can sit down together week in and week out and read the book of John as we read it as a congregation. But I really believe that as you do, you aren't just gonna read it just to read it, okay? Because I said so. As you sit down to read it, you're gonna open up, to the book of John, and you're going to say, Holy Spirit, reveal the person of Jesus to me. Holy Spirit, reveal the person of Jesus to me. And then you'll read. And as you read, I really believe that the Holy Spirit will illuminate the scripture to you in a fresh way. Amen? Amen. With all of that being said, though, let's get to the text. What is, what is happening in John? For those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you know that John is the fourth gospel in the New Testament. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then there's John. 
For those of you who are familiar or who have read the book of John, you know that he's a little bit different from the other three gospels. There are stories that Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell that John just cannot be bothered with. There are unique details and conversations that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are like, that is the most irritating thing, but John's like, you know what I'm gonna put in my gospel? This story, right? And it's not as simple as, oh, well, there are four different guys and they wrote four different things. I really believe that each gospel has a unique assignment for believers. I believe that John is closer to the book of Acts because there is something in the book of John that primes the reader or the hearer to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. John did not write the book of Acts. So you would think Luke wrote the book of Acts, so it'd be Luke and then Acts. But there's something unique about John where how people put the Bible together, how the Lord inspired it, was, you know what? Here's John, and then here are the Acts of the Apostles, right? And I really believe that that will happen for us as well. But as I say that I think John has a unique way of priming us to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, what do I mean by that? In essence, John is like, look, you have a tax collector, that's Matthew, who gave you receipts on Jesus as the Messiah. There's a wild teenager, that's Mark, who gave you the action, the, the expressiveness and the power of Jesus, right? The intensity. And you have a doctor, that's Luke, who gave you the full chart and diagnosis of Jesus as Lord. I don't know what you want from me, okay? In some ways, John is saying, you don't need more facts or information. Let me tell you about my friend. If you've ever seen a documentary, there are different parts or different types of people who come in to paint the picture of whoever the subject is in the documentary. So there are experts and historians and, you know, different people, eyewitnesses. If you watch true crime, that stresses me out, so I don't. But if you do, you know, they have all these eyewitness accounts, right? That was my neighbor five years ago, and I was there. I knew something was wrong with him the whole time, right? You know, that kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> but there is something fascinating as you watch a documentary, and I don't know about y'all, but I lean in a little closer when I know that the person being interviewed is a family member or a friend. And that's because they can give me details about the person that the eyewitness, the expert, the historian cannot. They can give me intimate details about a person's life because they have an intimate relationship with them. That's the angle that John takes. He reveals things about the person and the character of Jesus in an intimate way. But why is that? Is John just trying to flex on everybody like, I love Jesus more than you? No. His reason is this. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John wrote the way that he did in his unique perspective so that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that we may have life. It's pretty good news, isn't it? So here's John, a father of the faith by the time he wrote this gospel. He's writing in this unique way, this style, to reveal the person of Jesus so that we may believe and have life. That's amazing. But how? How does he do that? And what are we going to look for? I'm so glad you asked. John is full of poetic language. And the first first 14 verses that we're gonna walk through together 
are poetic in nature. And for those of you who are immediately overwhelmed by the word poetic and poetry, have no fear. I'm not an expert in anything, but I just so happen to be an expert in poetry because I've been writing and studying it for 20 years. So trust me, I'm a poet, said no one ever. But tonight, you can trust me because I'm a poet and we'll walk through this together. I don't know about y'all, but I'm obsessed with books and I am a cover to cover reader. So when I get a book, I will look at it. Here's my Bible. I open my Bible and I will read the blank page. I will read the copyright page. I will read the table of contents. I am a cover to cover reader. And for me, because I'm a cover to cover reader, I never miss any preface or prologue or intro or forward or anything because it actually contains valuable information that sets up the reader, in most cases me, as I'm reading, that sets up the reader to kind of understand where the book is going and how to think through it. So the first 14 verses of John are a poetic prologue for the rest of his gospel. It doesn't have a lot of action or dialogue or conversation, but the rest of the book of John does not make sense without the first 14 verses. As we read, we'll see why. So if you want, open your Bibles, open your Bible apps, it'll be on the screen, and we will dive into the first chapter of John. Let's read some poetry, shall we? John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Whoa, that is how the book of John opens. And, but let's go to the first three words, in the beginning, in the beginning. What does that remind you of? Genesis 1, yes, good job, class. Y'all are amazing. A's for everybody. Genesis 1, let's go to it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. That's Genesis 1. So John 1, verse 1 through 5, and Genesis 1, 1 through 3 mirror each other. In the beginning matches in the beginning. The darkness that the Spirit hovered over is the darkness that the light broke through. And here's the thing that John wants us to know, that Jesus is the word God said when he spoke, let there be light. So in essence, John is letting us know straight out the gate that Jesus is not just any regular old guy. Jesus is someone more magnificent, more marvelous, more holy than we can ever wrap our minds around. In black households, if you're going to talk back to your mom, your mom may say, I'm not one of your little friends, right? In essence, John is saying, Jesus is not one of your little friends, okay? Whoever you're thinking he is, you may not think he's that great. You may not think he's that epic, but he's not one of your little friends. He is the word God spoke in the beginning, and he is the light that overcomes darkness. 
That is who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. Yes. So Jesus is the word, the life, and the light. That's what John is saying straight out the gate. And in the same way that he hovered over the darkness at the beginning and stepped into it to be light, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for those of you who are experiencing darkness in your lives, Jesus is the same spirit hovering over that darkness to step into it and be the light that you need. I promise you. So that's the first five verses. John is saying, Jesus is him. He is that guy, okay? Everything we are comes from him. He's the origin story. He is our source. Then he goes on in verse six to say, there was a man from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. At this point, John, everybody knew who John the Baptist was. That's what this verse is referring to. He was legend, icon, the greatest. But John, the writer of this gospel, makes it a point to say even the greatest, even the greatest person you can think of, John the Baptist, he was epic, he was it. Even he was sent from God just to testify to the one who was greater than even he was. Even the greatest person you could think of was only a witness to Jesus. That is how epic Jesus is, is what John is, is saying to us. But what's amazing to me is that it's an honor. John the Baptist, if he were standing right here, he wouldn't say, oh yeah, Jesus was better than me, woe is me. No way. John's like, I'm not even worthy to untie the guy's sandals. Like he is so amazing. And that's what we get to take on as well. What an honor to bear witness to the light. I want to be like John the Baptist and bear witness to the light that is Jesus. May our lives be witnesses to the light so that through our lives all might believe. That's the goal, that in our lives we bear witness to the light so that through our lives all might believe. Some of you in the room, though, can't fathom testifying to the light because your lives feel so riddled with darkness. Then allow me to do the honor of bearing witness to the light on your behalf. Jesus is the light that overcomes darkness every time. And he has and he will overcome the darkness in your life. Anytime light hasn't worked for me, it's because I was too busy in some way, either some thought or some action or some deed. I was too busy trying to cling to darkness. So I really needed God's help to help me release that darkness. And God will do that. But that is how we become witnesses, by asking God, God, deliver me from darkness and let light break through into my life. And I speak that and pray that over you. But John goes on. I'm like, what is better than being a witness to the light and testifying to the light? But John doesn't suggest that we are only witnesses. He raises us one in the next section of the verses that say this, John 1, 9 through 13. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Yet to all who did receive him and all who believed, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus came for all, capital A-L-L, all, and he came for everyone. That includes you. He came for all and he came for everyone. And he gave us the right to become children of God. So Jesus isn't just offered to people who have their lives together, to pastors on stage or pastors over here or whoever you think is worthy of Jesus. Because first of all, none of us are worthy of him. That's why he came. Because he knew that we could not get our acts together without him. So he came for all. He came that everyone would would receive light. And he's for all who believe. Receive and believe. Receive, if you remember nothing else, receive and believe. That's it. That's the caption. And that seems so easy, but believing is really hard work. There are so many things that we have to overcome to live a life of faith. So for those of you who feel shame because you're like, I can't seem to get it together, or I've been a believer for decades, and why do I still doubt? Believing is hard work. That's why we need God. That's why we needed Jesus to come. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. But for those of us who keep pursuing righteousness, who receive Jesus and believe, we are the ones who have the right to become the children of God. And I love that it was God's idea. You were God's idea. You were God's idea. Some of you are wondering, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's up. You are God's idea. There's a reason you're here. There's a reason the Lord has kept you all this time. You're God's idea. He wants you to become his daughter. He wants you to become his son. And that is our first identity as people before we are anything else. Before we even have a name, we are someone's daughter or we're someone's son. And that might seem strange to some, but that's what, make Christi- that's what makes Christianity different from every other faith. We don't have a list of rules to follow. We get to become a part of a family. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. And Christianity is unique for many reasons, and this is one of them. From the outset, God did everything so that we could be part of his family. And John, being the brilliant poet that he is, says all these amazing things about how we get to be a witness to the light, how we get to testify, how we get to become children of God. And then he brings it back around to the word, which is Jesus, in verse 14. He says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That sounds poetic, but what does that mean? 
have any of you ever been in proximity to a famous person? Like not at a concert or at a movie premiere, but like out in the wild, on the street. Like anybody? Okay. Uh, years ago, back in my former life as a business person, um, I was getting my MBA and I was going on a business trip to San Francisco. So I, you know, call my parents and I'm just like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm packing. I'm going to San Francisco. And they're like, San Francisco? Well, we have never been to San Francisco. We're coming. And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember you being invited, but that's whatever. It's fine. It's fine. So it became a family trip to San Francisco. Okay. So uh, I have like a couple of days at this business conference thing that I was doing. Um, and then the last day I was just with my parents and we were just hanging out. So there is a, a big kind of like shopping square in San Francisco that I cannot remember the name of, but if you have been in San Francisco, you, it's exactly the place that you're thinking of. Um, so this big shopping square, um, and my parents go to a department store, um, and I was separated from them, and I was just walking around, and I wasn't trying to go to Louis Vuitton or Balenciaga or Dolce & Gabbana, no. I heard about a bookstore that was in that shopping square, and that's where I went. So, um, and if you're wondering, it was epic. Thank you very much. So I have my little bookstore excursion, um, and I'm sauntering back to where I knew my parents were. And as I'm walking down the street, I look, and I'm like, I, do I recognize that person? Do I know who that is? And as I get closer, my eyes get big, my jaw drops to the sidewalk because I realize it is R&B legend Brian McKnight walking down the street. For those of you who were like, I don't care about 90s R&B love songs, first of all, get saved. For those of you who were like, I couldn't care less, this is a picture of Brian McKnight. And, and yes, he is that gorgeous in person, 100%, okay? So I'm walking down the street and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is Brian McKnight. And I have 15 seconds to decide if I'm going to avoid Brian McKnight, if I'm going to ask Brian McKnight for an autograph, or if I'm going to politely smile at Brian McKnight and be on my way. So I choose the third option. So I'm walking by, just give him a friendly smile. He smiles back so friendly because he knows he's Brian McKnight and he knows I know he's Brian McKnight. So he's just like... I know I'm Brian McKnight, and if you want to say hi to me, you can. But I was too shy, so I just smiled, walked by, and it was great. As I walked past him, though, I'm like kind of got out of range, you know, because I didn't want him to be freaked out. And I start speed walking to where I know my parents were, right? So this department store they're in, it had like four stories. I'm like bounding up the escalator. I get to my parents, and I'm like, y'all, you will never believe what happened. Now, if you are separated from friends or family on a trip, and you're on your own, and you go to them and say, guess what happened? That probably isn't the best idea because they're just going to assume the worst. They're like, did you get robbed? Did you get hurt? Did something happen to you, right? My father, as some of you know, was in the army, so he was ready to defend my honor, right? My mother is from inner city Baltimore, so she was also ready to defend my honor, right? <laughs> so they're ready to fight, but I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. You'll never believe who I saw. And they pause, they look at me like, who'd you see? And I'm like, I saw Brian McKnight. And they were like, no way, Brian McKnight. Oh my gosh, so we're just freaking out as a little family in this, what Macy's or whatever it was, right? Um, and so, but what's funny about that story is that up until the point where I saw Brian, because we're best friends now, where I saw Brian walking down the street in San Francisco, 
I didn't care about him that much. I'm like, he's R&B legend, you know, like listen to the song Back at One. It's amazing. One of the classic 90s R&B love songs, right? So it's like, I knew about Brian McKnight. I, you know, I'd seen him on, you know, a news show every once in a while or a YouTube video or whatever. But he wasn't a real person to me. But let me tell you, after I saw Brian McKnight walking down the street in San Francisco, he went from kind of like a nobody in Jordan world to a very big somebody. Where like for weeks after I saw him, I'm like one time, I saw Brian McKnight walking down the street in San Francisco, <laughs> right? Just like so proud of my little self, okay? That is the energy that John wants us to have. When we're talking about Jesus becoming flesh and dwelling among us. It goes from, oh, here's the Bible, here are words on the page, I'll guess I'll read it, to the gospel, Jesus, the Son of God, becoming embodied in our lives. That is what we're going for. That is what John wants to have happen as we are reading scripture, as he's writing these things, as he's remembering what Jesus did and who Jesus was. He doesn't want it to just be, one time there was a guy named Jesus and he died for you. Okay, great. He wants Jesus to become embodied in our lives, to become flesh and dwell among us again. And I think that there is something so holy and sacred about that. Think about all the things in our lives where we know we need help, where we know we need a savior, where we know we need the Lord. There are times I've prayed where I'm like, Jesus, I need you to come back right now, like for real, for real, right? It's, it's Jesus becoming flesh and dwelling among us is what changes everything. It's what changed everything the first round when he came back it's what changes everything in our lives now. And when he comes again, that's what will change things, is Jesus becoming flesh and dwelling among us. But what's awesome, though, is that it's not just Jesus who we need to become flesh and dwell among us. There is something about the person of the Holy Spirit where as we receive power, as we engage with the word, as we worship, as we pray, as we come together, that we also get to embody the word of God so that the word becomes flesh in us and begins to dwell within us. And as we dwell among each other, we become the word that becomes flesh and dwells in dark places. That, that is what my prayer is for us as God's people. We, I'll put it this way. We get to embody the word and dwell among a dark world to be the light. We get to embody the word and dwell among a dark world to be the light. As we continue in this series between now and Easter, I'll say it again. I really believe God wants us to go from information and facts and week to week hey, I come to church on Friday or I double dip and I come on Sunday because I'm extra holy, um, but I don't really engage with the Lord day to day. I really believe God is inviting us to engage with him day to day. So for some of you, that may mean picking up your Bible app and reading the verse of the day where you're like, don't tell me what to read. It'll help you, I promise, right? Some of you, that may mean 
praying every day on your commute to work, whether it's a five-minute commute, a 30-minute commute, an hour-long commute, taking time to pray and say, you know what, instead of listening to you know, an hour of talk radio, let me listen to just 45 minutes and I'll take 15 minutes to pray. Some of you, that means turning on worship music every once in a while in your home and engaging with God that way. But there is something about an active faith and a faith where we are engaged every day, not because we're religious, but because we know I need God every day. He is my sustenance. He is my source. And that is how the word will become alive and active in us. Some of you may know that John is quite the character in all the gospels. All the disciples are, but I digress. John in particular is known as one of the sons of thunder. The man was literally going to call down fire and brimstone from heaven because he was upset with some people, right? He was also the one who was a bit competitive. So if you know, you know that he was like, I outran Peter to the tomb. You know, it's like that, that was John, okay? John confronted someone trying to do a miracle because he's like, you're not one of us. Like, if you're not one of us, you can't do this. You can't pray and do whatever. And Jesus was like, fam, calm down. Like, it's fine, right? John was intense. He was trying to sit next to Jesus on his throne. Like, when you are in glory, I want to sit next to you. Like, that was John, right? But even with all that fire, all that intensity, all that energy, do you know what John says about himself? John says that he was the disciple Jesus loved. He was the disciple Jesus loved. People tease John about that, but I think it actually expresses such wonderful tenderness and deep revelation that John had of Jesus. It takes friendship and it takes connection to be able to say, I'm the one that Jesus loved. For those of you in the room who are in amazing friendships or you're really close with your family or you have an amazing um, just love for your spouse, you know that you're the one that they love without having to say anything. You're like, I know that I'm the one that this person loves. One of my um, childhood best friends, Anna, we've been best friends since we were nine years old. She has put up with my antics for over 25 years. I don't know how or why, but... Anna has been a faithful friend to me for decades. Anna is an amazing person. So I can say with confidence that she cares for each and every one of you in the room. She hopes that nothing bad happens to you. She hopes that it is well with your soul, that you get an amazing tax refund this year, and that you win the lottery if you put in tickets, right? Like that, that, that is Anna. But you wouldn't be able to say of Anna, if you don't know her, that you're the one Anna loves because you don't know Anna and Anna doesn't know you. But for Anna and I, for decades, year in, year out, different states, different continents, we've always stayed connected. And I can say with confidence that I'm one that Anna loves, and Anna can say with confidence that she's someone I love. And that is what Jesus died for, to have with each and every one of you. It, relationship and intimacy with Jesus, I'm telling y'all, is not just for the elite who have it together. Jesus literally shed his blood, gave his life, so that each of you can say with confidence, I'm the one that Jesus loves. 
to have walked with Jesus in the way that John did is a life that I aspire to. John was all full of fire and all the stuff. But he was at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. Jesus looked at him and said, hey, please take care of my mom for me. John was the one who was right there. The one who was able to lay his head on Jesus' chest. Hey, Jesus. Hey, man. Who's going to betray you? And Jesus told him. John kept Jesus' secrets. That is what I want. And that is what I firmly believe that God has for each and every one of us. And I will say this as I close, and the band can come out. As we go into this series, as we go into um, not just the rest of this series, because I really believe that this will happen before the end of our study of the book of John. But my prayer, my prayer is that you would be able to fill in the blank with your name, the one Jesus loves. Think of your name, the one Jesus loves. That is the invitation that the Lord has for you. That is what God wants for you. And I really believe that as you engage with scripture, as you lean in, as you um, allow the word to become flesh and dwell among you, as you receive Jesus as the word, as the light that overcomes darkness, that is where you're headed. That is what you are made for, to be his son, to be his daughter, to identify yourself as the one Jesus loves, okay? Let me pray over us before we head into communion. Lord, thank you that you are, you are love. You are love and you came because you loved us. Jesus, thank you that you are the word embodied. Every word written in this book is about you. It is you. Jesus, I ask that you would come and dwell among us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would stir up within us. Through your power, may we have a revelation of who Jesus is. God, thank you that you made it so that we can become your children. God, for those who are far off from you, Lord, I ask that they would be drawn near by the person and the power of the Spirit. Jesus, I ask that as we worship and as we receive your body and your blood in a few minutes, that you would be the light that overcomes the darkness in our lives. Lord, for those who are struggling in their minds, who feel like they can't get past anxiety, can't get past rage, can't get past addiction, can't get past confusion, can't get past doubt. Jesus, I thank you that you are the light breaking through and you are the one who overcomes darkness. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would implant yourself onto each one of us, that you would mark each one of us, that we would draw near to you and you would draw near to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'll invite our communion servers to come up. And as they come up and as y'all move through the room, um, you will take your communion, you will hold it and go back to your seats. Um, and then Pastor Matthew will come up and lead us in communion.
is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of the sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory.
For God so loved that he gave. Please open your elements with me and be ready to receive. What I love about communion here at Friday night is we come to our brothers and sisters empty-handed and we receive the body and the blood of Christ. And then we believe that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus says to you again, you are the one I love. I love you. I love you. I've given everything for you. He looks us into the eyes and he says to us, here, take my broken body for your wholeness. Take what Jesus was willing to break and to be broken for our wholeness. Friday night, you may receive the body of Christ. And John says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Out of his fullness, we have received grace. Receive tonight the word of God that became flesh, Jesus, his sacrifice, that you may receive grace. And so that on that night when he was with his favorite John beside him, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of your sins. New Life Friday night, we are forgiven. Thank Jesus. You may drink of the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what he's done tonight. It's so good to be with you. Can we thank Jordan? We're thankful you're an expert in poetry. Thank you for teaching us tonight. We're thankful that you are our pastor, and we love you. Thank you, Jordan. If you're new with, new with us tonight, we have Guest Central in the back. 
But for all of us, at the beginning of the year, we have a lot of opportunities. Can I take 30 more seconds and share with you some of the things that we have going on? Greg, he leads every Sunday our special needs ministry at the church. He's a hero of mine. They have awesome food, so I sneak in there like once a month. Greg is leading a trip to Romania with Vincent and our Friday night team to go serve those with special needs in Romania. Greg's in the back, so you can come see him. We have Reboot Combat Recovery starting in two weeks. This is for um, anybody that has served in our military, especially those in combat. We want to walk alongside you. We want to know your story, and we want to love you. We also have um, some drop cards for our marriage ministry. We're doing an emotionally healthy relationship course. It's an eight-week course starting next Tuesday with Leah and I in the tent. We'd love to have you there. And there's so much more. You can look at newlifechurch.org. But if you are looking for a small group or a way to connect, I'm telling you, now's the time. And in the back is the time. Greg's back there. Pastor Dave's back there. Vincent is back there. So go and get connected. But let me pray over you. I pray Romans 15, 13 over you. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him this week, that you may be light, overflowing light, overflowing with hope and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit for your family, for your community, and for all of creation. Leave here in God's grace and peace. We love you. Be safe this weekend.